Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome, comrades and friends, to this afternoon's live stream. It is my honor to share this hour with you uh, as your host. My name is Ted Kelly. I'm an organizer with the International Action Center, an anti-imperialist, anti-capitalist organization dedicated to telling the truth about the crimes of U.S. imperialism. For those of you who may be less familiar with the IAC, we were founded in 1992 with Ramsey Clark and many anti-war and community activists opposing the first war on Iraq. We have been at the forefront against U.S. maneuvers to recolonize countries in Asia, Africa, Latin America, and in the Caribbean. We organize demonstrations, direct actions, picket lines, community forums, speakouts, war crimes tribunals. We publish books and produce videos. We travel throughout the country and throughout the world. For many of us, the U.S. has been at war with Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, Palestine, and many other countries for the majority of our lives, if not all our lives. The gargantuan, horrific crimes committed by the U.S. and its allies against the peoples of Southwestern Asia and Africa and Central America have unfortunately sometimes been ignored and forgotten, even as the U.S. has killed millions of people through sanctions wars and occupations, uh, which can only be referred to as genocide. Yet the people continue to rise up against imperialism, and we salute the heroic resistance of the Palestinians. We support the heroic resistance of the people of Syria and throughout the world. In Central America, the people of Venezuela and Bolivia have successfully resisted right-wing coups, coup attempts supported by the Obama and Trump administrations. And left-wing progressive presidential candidate in Peru, Pedro Castillo, has just declared victory in that country's presidential election. But today, we turn our urgent attention to the kidnapping and detention of Venezuelan diplomat Alex Saab. There is a delegation right now um, that includes Sarah Flounders, co-coordinator of the International Action Center, who is part of this humanitarian delegation to Cabo Verde, led by Cabo Verdean religious leader Bishop Felipe Teixeira of the Diocese of St. Francis of Assisi, Catholic Church of the Americas. This emergency delegation has tasked itself with exposing the U.S. role in the kidnapping, torture, and detention of Alex Saab, and they have been in Cabo Verde for the last week. Saab is a Venezuelan diplomat to the African Union, He was on a humanitarian mission to Iran at the time of his seizure to arrange emergency shipments of food, medicines, and essential supplies for Venezuela. Held in Cabo Verde since then, Saab was held for months in prison in total isolation and darkness and has been tortured. We are here to say free Alex Saab, free all political prisoners of this empire. And I would like you to take a minute to look at the petition that is available at bit.ly slash free Alex Saab VZ. And please join this effort, get involved and get sign this petition so that we can help free Alex Saab. Uh, but without further commentary, I want to welcome a group of incredible delegation members who are coming to us live today from Cabo Verde, the archipelago country off the coast of West Africa. We're going to be joined by Bishop Felipe Teixeira, Diocese of St. Francis of Assisi, Catholic Church of the Americas in Cabo Verde. We are joined by Roger Harris, Task Force on the Americas, and Sarah Flounders of the International Action Center. We're also going to be joined a little later by William Kamakaro, Coordinator of the International Campaign to Free Alex Saab. Welcome, Roger, Bishop Teixeira, 
uh, Sarah, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, Bishop Teixeira, I would like to please start with you. Could you tell us, you know, who is Alex Saab and how did you come to be involved in the effort to free him? Honestly, I uh, became aware of uh, Alex Saab through my parishioner, Dr. Julio de Carvalho, who is a resident of Lowell, Massachusetts, who is also a professor in Massachusetts. He came to the church, he called me, he told me what, what was happening in June 12, 2020, when the Cuban government did kidnap, sequestered the ambassador of Venezuela, Alex Saab. As we all know, Alex Saab is a diplomatic in a special mission and um, through the African Union. And um, as you said in the introduction, he was on his way to, uh, to Iran to buy uh, goods for the people of Venezuela, like uh, oil, some food, medicine, etc. So um, I came to know the second time around about Alex Saab through the International Action Center. And uh, believe it or not, I was on my vacation in Orlando, Florida. Three days shy to my end of vacation, I was asked to, to stop and to come to Boston to get on the plane to come to Cape Verde. And um, as a man of compassion, and, and I believe in social justice, I believe in the humanitarian needs of others. So I, I gave up my vacation, and here I am in Cape Verde with the mission to free Alex Saab. And I'm a friend of Venezuelans for many years. Again, through the International Action Center, I became one of their clergy, especially in the Boston area. I did have the opportunity to be with President Maduro in his visit to New York City uh, during the UN meetings and so forth. And um, I did have a great relationship with Venezuela when Hugo Chavez was very sick, was about to die. We had an ecumenical prayer for him, actually, in one of the churches in, in, uh, in Boston. And was invited to be one of the religious leaders on that. So uh, I became to be one of the followers. Thank you, Bishop Teixeira. And we're going to have questions for, for all our panelists and delegate members. But I would like now to go to our next panelist, Roger Harris. Roger is on the task force on the Americas. And Roger... I am very happy that you are part of this delegation and are joining us today because I, I desperately want to ask you what the U.S.'s role is in Saab's kidnapping and detention. And I wonder if you can Thanks speak on that and speak on Empire. Thank you, Ted, for that question. So I'm with the task force on the Americas. We're a human rights organization, 35 years old, and very early in the um, development of the task force on the Americas, we discovered that to be consistently for human rights, when we spoke to people like in delegations like this, and we spoke to people on the ground, we learned that to be a consistent humanitarian, one had to be a consistent anti-imperialist. The two were wedded together. And this example of the extrajudicial overreach of the U.S. empire here in Cabo Verde is an example of the overreach of U.S. imperialism. So beyond the issue of Mr. Saab, the individual, is a larger question of making the world safe for all nations, for medium-sized nations like Venezuela, and for small nations like Cabo Verde, who are very, very vulnerable 
to the machinations of the United States. And I'll give you just one example. Three days from now, it'll be a year when Mr. Saab was abducted by the authorities here. He was on a flight from Caracas to Tehran. It was a humanitarian mission to get needed supplies because the United States was blockading the food and medicine coming into Venezuela. And he was going to Iran to make a legal international business deal. His plane had to make a routine refueling stop. His pilot called Morocco, Algeria, and Tunis, and Tunisia. And all three countries refused to let the plane land. And by some sort of orchestration, which we assumed that the United States was behind, he had to land in Cabo Verde. As soon as he landed in Cabo Verde, he hadn't gotten off the plane even. He was seized and put in prison. And his crime was bringing humanitarian aid. Shab is being persecuted, but really the crime here is the overreach of U.S. imperialism. Thank you. Thank you, Roger, and thank you for connecting this struggle with the struggle against all anti-imperialist actions. We have uh, Sarah Flounders with us also in Cabo Verde, but first I want to go to William Kamakaro. Comrade William, this work to free Alex Saab means a great deal to the people of Venezuela. I'm wondering if, if, uh, William, you could describe the work you're doing with the petition for Alex Saab. And also, we hear another delegation is arriving soon. Can you comment on how the Venezuelan people in particular are trying to keep this pressure on? Thank you very much. Basically, for Venezuelan people, the the arrest, the illegal arrest and detention of Alex Saab is simple, another attack on the United States to try to suffocate the Venezuelan economy and to trying to kill Venezuelan people of starvation. The reality is that Alex Saab was uh, basically working in, in behalf of the Venezuelan government for over um, 10 years. And he knows all the networks that the Venezuelan government has been using to get medicine, to get food, to get some essential stuff for Venezuelan people. And that's what the United States wants to stop. And that's an attack to the human rights of the Venezuelan people, direct attack. And through those illegal sanctions that have been imposed to the country. And that's why they want to get the Al-Assad in the United States. They want to, to get the information on all those networks that have been created to avoid the sanctions. That's the main issue here. Yes, we are basically organizing another delegation soon. I think that Dan Koalik is with us, listening to us and watching us. He will be traveling to Cabo Verde. He is a writer, an activist, and a, a law professor. He is, uh, will be traveling. Uh, yes, he's there. <laughs> and also Max Blumenthal is also getting to Cabo Verde. Also, he's from, he's a journalist from a great song. Already they have done, published two different pieces about what have been happening in Cabo Verde. And also 
We are getting in touch with some people from Africa. We have an um, ex-member of the African National Congress that is traveling to, to Cabo Verde. But also we are trying to get uh, Nelson Mandela's sons to go there. And we have other people in standby. So we still don't have who at the end will be traveling. But this is the number of people that we are that we have right now. And we have other people that want to travel in the next, probably we will have to have another delegation in the next delegation. This is a very important issue because as you have been able to see people that have been looking closely what we have having happening with the delegation down there is that the delegation have been very successful, have been putting a lot of pressure on, on the Cabo Verdean government officials, but also have been creating a lot of noise, not only in Cabo Verde, but also in South America and in United States. And that's the most important thing to make the case of Alex Saab known by all everybody. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. And we appreciate you uh, sharing your words with us. I now want to return to our delegation in Cabo Verde and ask my comrade Sarah Flounders from the International Action Center. Sarah, your delegation has been in country for about a week now, if I'm not mistaken. Can you talk about what you have been able to accomplish so far? Yeah, well, so many things. Let me open by saying that solidarity and people's movements working together It's a powerful force, and you could see it and feel it in the past weeks. Really, uh, we're a weapon for justice and for change. And when we work together, we can break the silence and repression and fear. Thousands of people signing petitions. This was a campaign initiated, really, by William Kamakaro's effort. And then it combined the Alliance for Global Justice and the Task Force on the Americas and many other other groups, including the International Action Center. It's, there's a legal team that has been working tirelessly for a year, filing one brief after another, successfully, and yet ignored and pushed aside by the U.S. There's the Venezuelans who are pushing and acting consciously, and there are people here on the ground in Cabo Verde. So this is a wide international movement, and it is gaining strength and momentum. Just to say, even in the passing of resolutions, the working class in the U.S. is today from every country. And so this became a workers' struggle when the Boston School Bus Drivers Union, many of them from Cabo Verde, passed a unanimous resolution, Local 8751, of the steelworkers, for the freedom of Alex Saab. They put out petitions. They put out publicity. And when we were joined by Bishop Teixeira from Boston with the Cabo Verdean community, it really gave weight uh, because he's been such a leader in many campaigns in the Boston area for years. So it was a coming together of all different forces and more are joining us. You know, you can look at every crisis and think how powerful is your opponent and how small you are, or You can organize and mobilize and think how powerful you are and how powerful the workers are and our movement can be. So we're a force when we're united, and this has certainly been shown this week. We couldn't have done any of the things we did in Cabo Verde without an outside team that was really behind us. 
Now, there is a crime. There's a big crime, and it's U.S. sanctions. It's a starving of 39 countries, 15 of them countries in Africa. And it's especially the starving of the most prosperous country of Latin America, Venezuela, that was providing for all of its people and now has been just cut down by U.S. sanctions. Venezuela has a right to feed its people. I'm also part of the sanctions kill campaign because that is what U.S. sanctions does. It's a real instrument of terror. So standing up to it all around the world is becoming more and more important. This delegation, okay, it was six uh, ruling days, long flights. It's not an easy place to connect to. And you could say, what did we gain? Did we gain the freedom of Alex Saab or his return to Venezuela? We were not even able to meet with Alex Saab. That's to be honest. So what did we accomplish? Well, this delegation was successful in highlighting, in drawing attention, in exposing that, first of all, Alex Saab is imprisoned. They, they claimed he was just living under a very comfortable house arrest. Not true at all. Armed guards, snipers, automatic weapons, so on. Despite one year of intense legal struggle, his filing motions, many of them successful, in Cape Verdean courts and West Africa courts, in the UN Human Rights Committee. Really, it's quite incredible. In the media, there was total silence, total silence. Just a, a, around the abduction, it was unknown. It's like secret rendition of years ago, another U.S. criminal policy. Now it's the abduction of a diplomat an enormous crime, a new, far more outrageous step of U.S. lawlessness. So helping to break the news on this case is so important, raising an awareness in the Cabo Verdean community. More than half of the community lives outside this country, lives particularly in Boston to Rhode Island, and their voice has become increasingly important. Raising the awareness here. Cabo Verde has a strategic location. They're not aware of it themselves all too often, but U.S. policymakers are. They're pulling Cabo Verde into the NATO U.S. commanded military alliance. Those agreements and contracts have already been sent. What does that mean for the people here? It doesn't mean a better life. It means militarism, repression, the coordination of their police force with the most corrupt terrorist police force in the world. And for this, the U.S. pays pennies to the population here. I think we've also challenged the perception of Alex Saab, charged with money laundering and being a corrupt businessman. If he was a corrupt businessman, he could have sold out immediately to the highest bidder, and that's the U.S. The fact that he didn't stood on principle despite torture, despite solitary confinement and death threats, all of that together really shows that he is absolutely committed to the people of Venezuela, to their well-being, to their future. The United Nations Human Rights Committee's report just yesterday really takes this a step further in ordering the release of Alex Saab, in saying that he must immediately, he is suffering from cancer, hasn't been treated or seen in a year he must immediately be able to be seen by his doctors, by oncologists of his choice. Now, 
What did we do in six days? We took these reports, every one of them, to the foreign minister, to the prosecutor general, to the prime minister, and to the U.S. embassy. We were on the ground, knocking on doors, making uh, as much noise as we possibly could. And I think all of that together with the next delegation coming soon, as William described, and our continued, continued attention, continued struggle on this issue will make a huge difference. We got to stand with the people of Venezuela and stand with the people of Capo Verde who did not, they did not kidnap Alex Saab. The U.S. did that. They should not bear the blame for this. And so our unity is a tremendous force in this. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah. And once again, I would like to encourage everyone uh, listening and watching right now, it doesn't take any longer than one minute to sign the petition at bit.ly slash free Alex Saab VZ. Sign this petition. And like Roger said, it has been almost exactly a year since his illegal kidnapping and detention and torture. I want to encourage everyone to sign this petition. We will drop the link again in the chat. And also, I want to encourage everyone to, to follow the International Action Center for updates on this delegation's work. You can go to facebook.com slash International Action Center or on Twitter at IA Center. You know, I have a couple questions and we have some questions from the audience as well for members of the delegation and for William. But one question that I wanted to ask specifically to Roger and to Sarah is about Femi Falana, the attorney for Venezuelan diplomat Alex Saab reported to Telesor that Cabo Verdean authorities detained Saab before Interpol put out a call for his arrest. What does this tell us about the authorities' collusion with U.S. empire? Yeah, this is one of the many examples of the long reach of the U.S. imperialist arm. So what happened was that on June 12, 2020, Mr. Saab's plane landed in Cabo Verde, diverted there, and he was arrested. There was this absolute collusion right there. But that also shows that his initial arrest was completely bogus. There was no basis for his arrest because there was no Interpol red alert at the time. It was the pressure of the world's hegemon on a very small country. Cabo Verde is one of the smallest countries, both in terms of population and in terms of geographic area. And it's very difficult for a country like that to resist U.S. imperialism. So as North American, we're very reluctant to blame the Cabo Verdean authorities for the imprisonment of Alex Saab. It is the actions of the United States which they are trying to resist. Thank you, Roger. Sarah, do you have anything to add to that? Or Bishop Teixeira? Well, every, every step of this is illegal, is criminal. Alex Saab or any of the countries trading with each other, when and why is that illegal? Had nothing to do with the U.S. Alex Saab had never been to the U.S., wasn't engaged in any trade with the United States. This was between Venezuela and Iran, and yet it is this determination to dominate every 
economic transaction on the globe today and to turn off and on absolutely essential supplies, to use starvation and lack of medical care during a time of pandemic as a conscious, calculated weapon. I mean, that's the crime. That's the crime. And if you go for that level of lawlessness, then everything else becomes possible. If you're willing to commit crimes, really, that amount to mass murder, we we can never forget that the U.S. bragged, they never apologized, that they caused within four years the death of half a million children in Iraq based on the sanctions. That was that famous Madeleine Albright quote. She didn't apologize for it, not one ounce. So they are willing to commit massive crimes, massive murder in order to dominate the world. And countries have every right, they have every obligation to satisfy the needs of their own people. Thank you, Sarah. We have a question in the Q&A section. Um, If you could reiterate, what criminal charges does Saab face in the United States? Is it that money laundering charge or, or are there other charges involved? There's about eight charges, and and without getting into the weeds on those eight charges, I would say that the maximum legal penalty that Mr. Saab faces if he were to be extradited to the United States is 160 years of imprisonment, which, by the way, makes it illegal for him to be extradited from Cabo Verde because that is, by Cabo Verde law, law, that is considered a life-threatening sentence or a life sentence. And I want to put that into context here, because in 2019, there was a very unfortunate incident here on the island of Santiago, where we are in in Cabo Verde. And this reportedly rogue military person, a, a soldier, massacred 11 people, shot them dead. That person got 35 years imprisonment, Mr. Saab faces 160 years of imprisonment for bringing food, medicine, and fuel to a country that's being blockaded. Bishop Teixeira, would you like to to respond to that question as well? Well, I think Roger did a good job by answering and really putting the numbers and what he's been charged with and so forth. For those of us who live in the United States, it's not something new. It may happen. He's not the first person I, Sarah, and others have fight for. And I'm sure while I was on this earth, this big monster is going to keep doing what they're doing. They're well-trained. They're all prepared financially and so forth, strategically. There are a lot of people, especially in the government, who believe that America is their salvation, is their paradise, is where they're going to get all the goodies for their lives. But for all of us, for those of us who studied in America, the history and all that goods, we know that's not true at all. Because we see how our black Americans citizens live in America, their conditions of what, how they are treated. And me, myself, here in the ground, knowing the language, the culture, I came for education purpose to let them know they make a big mistake. Although they are humble people, you know, they are vulnerable people, they're poor people, but those who are in charge are making big mistakes. And they tell me, they say, Bishop, 
our country is sold, this neocolonialism, you know, this new type of being slaves of the U.S. imperialism. The U.S. is taking advantage of that poverty and the lack of knowledge, you know, what U.S. government is, the strategic plans for Africa, for those countries like Africa, because Cabo Verde is a strategically military place that U.S. has been looking for many, many years, perhaps before I was born, so they can be able to control the whole Africa. And we are here, really, to open the eyes of people. You know, some of us who are outside, we understand that. But most of them don't understand that. But in, in other aspect of it, I have a lot of hope for the young people because some young people, they know what's going on. They march with us today. They be speak with us today. And um, they have their eyes and ears open to these U.S. games, you know, and so forth. But I believe our mission here this week was very successful. We gained a lot. Making noises, knock the doors like two or three times, make them feel uncomfortable. It speaks volumes. And um, as a matter of fact, you know, I just received an email. I just now is speaking from the uh, Human Rights Division saying, Bishop Texera, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I'm sorry, you know, the president, uh, Mrs. Zaida Freitas, is busy, cannot be able to meet with you. But just for that answer, because I, I sent an email before I came to Keyword, and whilst I was here, I did send an email. So finally, and I'm sure the decision of UN yesterday is making them moving fast. And the media is saying that was a blow in the face of the Keyword government. And also in the U.S. government, okay, for the U.N. to say, we need to start doing the right thing right now. Excellent. Thank you, Bishop. Yeah, I have a, another question here for William Kamakaro. After the United Nations condemned the detention of Alex Saab, the Venezuelan foreign ministry put out a statement saying that Venezuela welcomes the decision of the U.N. Human Rights Committee where it requests the Republic of Cape Verde to adopt a set of measures to guarantee the human rights of Ambassador Alex Saab and further you know, reiterates their call to put an end to his illegal detention. You also mentioned that Dan Kovalik is going to be going on a, a second delegation soon. Dan and I were together in Syria just a few weeks ago, and we saw firsthand the effect of U.S. sanctions on the people of Syria. And I wonder, William, if you can talk about, you know, as we know, this Alex Saab's detention is connected to the, the broader crisis of U.S. imperialism. And if you could talk a little bit about how U.S. sanctions are affecting Venezuelans right now. Yes, definitely. I was in Venezuela last year, I think most of you know, for an entire year during the pandemic. Uh, I was unable to come back to the United States and I was able to see very closely what the sanctions mean for Venezuelan people. First of all, there are blackouts all the time, something that we didn't have in the past. People are cooking in some areas with firewood because there is no gas. The transportation system is completely broken. It's not working normally. It's very similar to the special period in Cuba in some way because you see all those huge tractor uh, truck in the countryside, especially working as a uh, public transportation. And also it is uh, the money in Venezuelan currency is not really 
no, you know, is we don't have Venezuelan currency. There, there is more people are using dollars in the street. Also, remind me, you know, the special period in Cuba. So dollar is all over for everything. Whatever you want to buy, you have to pay in dollars. Also, the hospital and the, there are no, for example, in some cases, medicine for people that have chronic sicknesses. There are, in some cases, a problem with the subway. For example, the subway of Caracas, that was a beautiful subway until a few years ago. Now, when you go there, it's, uh, it's horrible. It's uh, broken all the time. The air condition is not working. It's a very, very, the service is very bad. It's very slow. And it's because of sanctions, no? And that happening with other subway systems, yes, basically it's a very difficult time for Venezuelan people. And and to get gasoline, could you can take you can spend 10, 12 days in the line just to get gasoline. I spent 15 days with my brother, turning the day with my brother to get gasoline to, to fill the tank of the car. So basically it's very difficult. Life is very difficult. And the good thing is that you don't see this kind of process that you are seeing now in Colombia or in Chile. And it's because people in some way are conscious. They are conscious that what's happening in the country is not because the government, it's because United States sanctions. Thank you, William. That's such an important update on the, the situation in Venezuela. And also it relates to what we're hearing from our delegation members, that this is not a question of the Cabo Verdean people's will. This is an imposition from U.S. empire on the people of Cabo Verde. I want to ask our delegate members and and encourage people to donate to the International Action Center at iacenter.org slash donate. But we have a question for our delegation members. Do you need on-the-ground support? How can people support the work that you're doing right now, this week, in Cabo Verde? Well, The biggest thing that people can do who are listening now, who are connecting, is to push forward to sign that petition because every one of those goes as a message to the Prime Minister of Capo Verde, to the President of Capo Verde, and to President Biden, who's really responsible for this and could reverse it in an instant, even if it was initiated or begun under the Trump administration, but it's really U.S. policy. So I think that's the big thing. I think programs like this and the programs that uh, are happening, whether it's Telesur or other groups or the report back that we'll do when we get back to the states, every one of those things, spreading it, explaining this, and including Alex Saab's name in every campaign and struggle for political prisoners. We know, we've seen, we have fought for political prisoners in the U.S. who jailed 30, 50, and more years, really life sentences, whether it's Mumia Abu-Jamal or Leonard Peltier or Afia Siddiqui sentenced to 89 years, and those who are unnamed, largest prison population in the world. So we know the horror that faces Alex Saab if he is extradited and brought to the U.S. He won't get justice the simplest person does not get justice in U.S. courts, and those that the U.S. is targeting never get justice. So I, I would really urge people to do the petition signing, the meetings, the 
putting on programs like this, holding other webinars and programs. We got to figure out how to be in the streets, how to take these petitions or already making plans in Boston, I believe. And Bishop Tessero may know more on that to go to the consulate of Capo Verde. I think they're beginning plans to take these petitions to Washington. So many plans are just beginning, but it all has to do with people's mobilizations. And at the same time, working in coordination with this very serious and committed legal team. I'd just like to add, I mean, um, coming here to, to free Alex Sabe, we have learned a lot of other things. And uh, as a humanitarian delegation, we looked into all the things that really is the consequence of the presence of the U.S. imperialism in the islands. And uh, there are three things that I'm very concerned it's with the new embassy that U.S. is is going to build here in this capital, the high school they're building from the students here in change of the location where the U.S. want to build a new embassy. And also the presence of police officers from Boston, Massachusetts, which is my state, that are training police here in Cavewood and in now dealing, as a delegation of the police, I notice that culture, that tension, how the police now are interacting with us, not only foreigners, but also to young people on the street. And I had a lot of concerns. So as we go back to America, locally I'll talk with the people, and we are planning, you know, in all these issues, Really to bring to the attention of the Kivarians who are in the diaspora in America and also the local union, the school bus drive union, especially on the issue of the police officers of Boston training the police here in, in, in Kivarian. It's misery. It's, uh, this is a country who is known for peace. Kivarian, there was never a fight in Kivarian. There was, there was never a war in Kivarian. But it looks like the way the officers, where the the military are, that they're ready for war. And at the end of the day, we're going to see what happened in Syria, what's happened in Syria, in Palestine, and other countries, um, Afghanistan, Iraq. That's, that's what I'm afraid of. And we need to be careful. And that's why, you know, during this week, I learned a lot. And I, uh, I, uh, my eyes was opened. And uh, as a religious leader, you know, I'm very concerned and one thing I want to put in the records is the, the religious leader of this country, of these this, uh, nine islands, are quiet, are silent in all this injustice. And some people are no longer saying Keyword is a democratic country, but as a, a dictator country, uh, because they're afraid of expressing themselves. They're afraid they're going to be attacked, put in jail, and so forth, being tortured. And we, we as a delegation, we had that experience when we went to the residence of Alex Saab. And um, it's a big concern. And the other thing we want to do when we go back also, we'll meet with our Congress, uh, con- the congressmen and also the senators, Elizabeth Warren and others, to talk about these uh, U.S. activities in the island. Because, um, you know, they should know exactly the details and how what's going on. 
And also, we're going to organize a march to the Caverian Consulate in Queens, in Massachusetts. It's going to be symbolic because they're not coming out to talk to us. They're silenced. And also the possibility, hopefully, through the International Action Center of uh, D.C., the, the local, to organize a demonstration in front of Cape Verde Embassy in D.C., I think it would be a great thing for us to do and move on because this is not the end. This is just the beginning of the fight to free Caverians from the hand of U.S. imperialism. That's so beautifully said, Bishop. And it's terrifying to hear that Boston police are going around training other security forces around the world because we know the terror that U.S. police inflict on people here in the U.S. And indeed, this is what the U.S. empire does to people abroad. We know that Zionist and Israeli occupation forces train with U.S. police. I have the flag of the Popular Front for the Liberation of Palestine behind me. But I'm so glad to hear about this event that's going to be taking place in Massachusetts, that you have the the endorsement and solidarity from the Boston School Bus Drivers Union, so many members of which are, are Haitian, and the people of Haiti are no stranger to white supremacist U.S. imperialism. I want to ask in the, in the few minutes we have left, if Roger and Bishop Teixeira and Sarah, if you could talk a little bit about the day-to-day activities you've done since you've been here in Cabo Verde and the, uh, the, the people you've spoken to in particular? I think the, the big thing is to refuse to take no or silence as an answer and to just be absolutely persistent, to assume that the door is not going to be open, you're not going to get a welcome. And you know what? That's not important. We want them to make sure they know it's registered, we've signed in, that we're there, and that we don't agree with the policy, and we're leaving a message about that. I think the most important thing we did was to visit, the attempted visit, to the place where Alex Saab was being held. And I think uh, other delegations will also, because the excuse that's given here is that the, our, even our motions, we filed very important habeas corpus motions in the Cabo Verde Supreme Court. And what was the purpose of those motions? To again raise the legal arguments, even though the courts have already said that they won't accept it because Alex Saab isn't in prison, that he is under what they call a house arrest. So challenging this image of house arrest was very important. And then going to file, again, the writ of habeas corpus. The habeas corpuses had been filed beforehand. So working on that, both with the legal team, with the forces who are have been doing the defense all this time, and at the same time, being willing to confront you know, the powers that be. We did not know when we took off whether even we would be able to disembark, but Again, that has a lot to do with the level of support that already had been created. So I think those are important um, steps. We met with the Venezuelan ambassador. He's a diplomat to this country. He's a representative. The very fact that he couldn't meet with a fellow diplomat, we met with the legal team. That's very important, and they've given us a great deal of their time. So I expect other delegations will 
find other grounds. There are new areas still to explore. We did as much as we could in our short time here. But I think keeping the international pressure on and keeping on the local pressure right here, that is having an impact. Roger or Bishop Teixeira, did you want to say anything about the work that you're doing on the ground as well? If I may, I just wanted to maybe summarize what I think are the, some of the, the two key issues and that we, the issues that we don't want to lose sight of. This is both a humanitarian issue and an issue of sovereignty. And those two issues are intertwined. And let me just go back into a little bit of history for Cabo Verde. Cabo Verde is off the Atlantic coast of Africa, 500 miles from Senegal, and it was uninhabited. It was discovered by Portuguese mariners, and Christopher Columbus landed here in this journey across the Atlantic. So it's a relatively new country in terms of people, and it went through a horrific colonial period. Given this location was very important in the transatlantic trade, it was a major coaling station. There was also a major station for the trade item, which is one of the great abominations of humanity. This was the center of the slave trade. And the Cape Verdean people and the people of Guinea-Bissau rose up against their colonial masters. And it was led by the great African liberation leader, Amical Cabral. Unfortunately, he got assassinated just a few months before the liberation movement declared the sovereignty of this country from the colonial masters. That was in 1971. It wasn't until 1975 that the Portuguese colonialists recognized that sovereignty. And for 46 years, the country has been fighting against neocolonialism for its own sovereignty. And now it's the United States, which is the neo-colonial master and the humanitarian violator that must be overthrown. So I really urge you folks out there, sign that petition, get other people to sign that petition, get those people to sign the petition. We need to free Alex Saab. Thank you so much, Roger. It's such an important history. And William, I wonder if you could give us a little bit of information as we come to the the end of our program this afternoon about how to support future delegations to Cape Verde. Yes. Very quickly, I, I want also to mention something that you mentioned about the police. People should know and remember that William Bratton was contracted by the former mayor of Venezuela in Caracas, Alfredo Peña, to provide training to the police department in Caracas. It's that police department that was used in 2002 to organize a coup d'etat against President Chavez. So we need to take care of these people. And this William Bratton, we have to remember all those famous cases. Amadou Diallo is one of the most horrible cases of police brutality in New York City. So I just wanted to mention that because I think that it's important to people to be, see the link between USA imperialism, interventionism, racism, and police brutality. Also, how people can help us. Well, I think that it's very important to make connections, to help us to spread the word. When we have a tweet, to tweet. We have a Facebook to post the information on Facebook to help us to create a social network and spread the word 
or what people are doing to also help us to contact other people. We need key people to travel there and to really help us to, to attract the attention of the international community. We think that it's important. And I think that this is possible, really, if we put a lot of pressure in the Caribbean politician that we can get Alex free. Thank you. Thank you, comrade. And I just want to say, you know, in the chat, we have solidarity statements from Canada, from Ireland, from, from all over. But as we come to the end of the program, I would like to, to give the last word to Bishop Teixeira. Please, comrade. I would like to say also that we had the opportunity to meet with a former minister here in, in Dipuri. It was a good and a, an, open, an eye-open session. And someone who from the beginning started to talk on the radios against the people in charge right now, the party who's in charge is MPD, is the Movement for Democracy here in Cape Verde. And the way he described us, what, what was going on and how the government intimidates the people, not even to be able to think about what was going on and so on. So um, despite all the silence, we had people. We had people who, uh, who talked to us off the record. I had a lot of people who, who called me, young people who talked to me on one-on-one. And um, I do feel... Uh, I'm living with some hope and faith that uh, better days will come. And uh, I only, as a man of faith, I would say on the pray and wish that there'll be no more need of any delegations to come. I hope by the end of this week that Alex Saab will be going home. And uh, if that does not happen, we'll come back again. And we'll continue to fight for the liberation, not only Alex Saab, but so many who are incarcerated in the U.S. illegally, but because the power to be and so forth. So um, again, thank you. I really appreciate the International Action Center for this opportunity once again to be with you all here and also back home um, that will continue to do that. As we say, a luta continua, a vitória certa. Thank you, Bishop Teixeira. And I want to thank uh, William Kamakaro, coordinator of the International Campaign to Free Alex Saab, Sarah Flounders, the International Action Center. Once again, Roger Harris, Task Force on the Americas. And of course, Bishop Felipe Teixeira, Diocese of the St. Francis of Assisi, Catholic Church of the Americas. Thank you all so much. It's been such an honor to speak to you on this very important subject. Once again, let me thank the incredible work that the members of this delegation um, are doing. And to leave you on this note, free Palestine, free Cabo Verde, free Alex Saab, free Mumia, and free them all.